Hello and welcome to the Grace Point Community Church Podcast Network. My name is Joey Butch. I'm the executive pastor at Grace Point Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our sermon series this week. This past Sunday morning, I preached a message about Paul and Silas in prison and how God moved in the situation that they found themselves in. So hopefully this uh, message will help you in some way if you're listening to it for the first time or just on repeat to hear something different from it. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and let's jump right on into the message. Good morning. Everybody all right? I'm glad you guys are. That's awesome. All right, we're good then. Let's roll. But hey, um, I'm Pastor Joey. I don't know if you all know me, by the way, so hi. Nice to meet you. If you haven't met me, if you're watching at home and you've never seen me before, hi. Nice to meet you or be seen by you. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. I totally forgot that. Every week I forget this now. Is it forgetting now or am I just depending on you? Either way, it's good. Yeah, either way, it's good. Uh, We're coming off of a... uh, uh, fall retreat, that's what we call it. It's a weekend where all of our, our, we invite all of our churches from the district, the youth groups, to go to one place for one weekend, and we spend time, uh, we, we have fun, there's lots of activities, there's services, there's messages, there's songs, there's canoeing this year. Uh, did you guys know some people don't know how to paddle? <clears throat> like, really don't know how to paddle. <laughs> like, like, I thought I was going to have to get in and swim to get them back to the, like, really don't know how to paddle. Thank God for life jackets. Uh, and, uh, and just, it, it was great. It was fun. Uh, but I guess if you've never done it before, it's not really intuitive, is it? But whatever. It was a good time. We had a, we had a fun weekend. Uh, it was one of those, you ever have one of those weekends where, like, if something could backfire on you, it did? It was kind of like that, but it worked out in a good way. So we, we left on time. We actually left on time. I know, which is hard to do with a group of people. And, uh, and then we ran into, and I'm not exaggerating, three car accidents between here and Lexington. And an hour and 45-minute drive turned into a four-hour drive. Yes, it took us four hours to get there. I did the math after. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, which was fine. Everybody was chill. They didn't, they didn't bother them. Uh, weather was supposed to be beautiful all weekend. We get, as soon as we get out on the canoes on Saturday, one little blip of a storm pops up right over us. So the canoes are flooding. But it was fun. Most of the students there, uh, they didn't care. In fact, they kind of made it more fun. Uh, it, there was just rain, no lightning, I promise. Just a little rain. And, uh, and so it, we made the best of what, what we had. We had a new campground. It was a cool place. And uh, I'm, it was a good weekend. It was a really good weekend. It's cool. Uh, we can plan all we want, but God's going to show up how he wants to show up. And so it was a really good weekend. Thank you for being a church that is supportive of your youth ministry. Thank you. I can't, I wish there was something better I could say, but thank you. It's not that way everywhere, unfortunately. I wish it was, but it just isn't. And so thank you for not just sending and being a church that provides for your own youth, but that you allow uh, myself and other people from our church and our, our students to also invest into other people's youth, uh, because that matters, right? It, it, it just does. So thank you so much for being that. I'm going to warn you, I'm tired today, and I get emotional when I'm tired. So uh, you, you all better just uh, put the seatbelts on and get ready. Um, but yeah, without a great, without a great home church, um, we just couldn't do what we do. So thank you for that. 
Please continue to pray for a few people. I've been, I've been throwing a couple people up in front of you to keep in your prayer life as you're, um, as you're going through your week and praying. Uh, please pray for Dustin Clark, continued uh, recovery there. God is working miracles in that man's life, and uh, I cannot wait until he comes back through those doors, but we'll be patient, and God's going to um, move how he wants to move, but uh, it, that's just been nothing short of uh, a miracle, really. There's still a long way to go, but um, man, it's amazing how God can move. And pray for Pastor Scott as he continues to recover. Uh, you're going to be seeing more of him coming up soon, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like he's 100%. So uh, I, I want to talk about that for a second. So he is planning on, and this is exciting, we've been waiting for a while to talk about this, but uh, next week Pastor Scott is planning on being back in a preaching capacity, which is amazing. So, so yeah, you can clap for that. That is awesome. So we have got together and we made up a bit of a schedule. And so he's going to do, uh, for October, November, and December, he's going to do the first two Sundays of the month, and I'm going to do the last two Sundays of the month. The reason we're doing that is to try and keep his workload light and figure out what he can take back on and what he can't. We don't want to overload him right in the beginning uh, and, and just have him get depressed and, and you know, yeah. overwhelmed. So yeah. we're going to split that up in the middle there, but, um, and he, we, he and I talked about this, and everyone, no one's going to show up just for one of us, right? Because if that's the case, he's going to knock me out of the park because he's a much better speaker than I'll ever be. So I need you guys to promise me you're not going to do that. So ever, give me a, a head nod and a yes and an amen. If you, okay, we're not going to play that game, right? We're all adults here, and we can understand that. All right, wonderful, great. We've, we've, you said it. It's on tape. You said it, all right? We got it on tape. But uh, we're, it's been four months, four whole months uh, since he started his medical leave. It was the, the first Sunday that, um, that I started to cover for him was Father's Day, right? It was Father's Day, yeah, which is in June. It's October. Do you guys know it's October? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we're just as dedicated to helping through what's going, what he's going through as we've ever been. So we're here for him. We're excited. So next week when he's up here and he start, comes back to preach, I want you all to be like bumping the roof off this place, all right? All right? Like the, let, let's, let's really support him as he comes back, and, and uh, it's, it's going to be a good time. But this morning we're going to continue our series on absolute surrender. It's what we've been talking about for... I don't know how many weeks now, six probably, maybe five or six, and it's, I don't know about you guys, but this, it has challenged me personally. Uh, I, sometimes you think you're surrendered, and then you start reading some of these, and you're like, oh, I, 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 mean, I need to work on that. I got to, so uh, it's been a real big personal challenge to myself. I hope it has been for you as well, but last week we talked about Peter, how he had denied Jesus, denied his mentor, his, his teacher, his friend, his Messiah, denied him not once, not twice, three times three times, and how he was just broken and, and destroyed on the inside, and how Jesus took the time after his resurrection to uh, seek Peter out and redeem him for every time he had messed up there. I think I referred to it as like spiritual surgery, like every wound that was open, Jesus just went in and, do you love me? And he says, feed my, feed my sheep, and he just he stitches him up, and he stitches him up, and when, when, they, when that conversation's over, Peter is who he's supposed to be. He's the rock. Exactly who we're supposed to be. And that's what happens when we, when we get real with Jesus. This is sometimes it scares us away, to be honest with you. When we get real with Jesus, uh, he's going to turn us into who we're supposed to be. It, we think you might be able to be who you're supposed to be without him, but you can't. It's not possible. He's going to transform us into that. And so that's, if you missed last week, 
Uh, that's what we talked about last week, but if this is, this is the truth. If you love Jesus, then serve him. <laughs> that was kind of where we ended last week. If you love Jesus, then serve him. But there's a little bit more to that sometimes, right? If you love Jesus and you serve him, sometimes it's going to cost you. In fact, I guarantee you it's going to cost you something. And if you're, if you're serving him and it's not costing you something, you might not actually be serving him. I don't want to burst your bubble there, but like maybe check yourself. Uh, because it's going to cost us all something. The truth is that living in the Christian lifestyle that, that Christ desires for us, it might rub people the wrong way just a little bit. And occasionally it might get us in a little bit of trouble. I'm not saying go out and be lawbreaker. I don't mean that at all. But, uh, but it might get you in a little trouble. Sometimes it can. And this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. If you have your Bible or your phone with you, or if you're at home, you can Google it, I guess, if you've got a computer in your living room. Um, or if you're watching on your phone. What does Seth always say? Don't turn your phones off if you're watching on it because then it's, yeah. But uh, we're, gonna, we're talking about Paul and Silas. Uh, they're in prison. And that's a spoiler alert a little bit. We're going to start a touch before that. Uh, but this Paul, just a little quick recap, if you haven't ever heard of him, Paul was Saul. Saul was a, a Pharisee. He, he literally killed Christians. He, he would kill them. He would condone their killing. He would show up and, and break up house churches and kill people, like kill them, dead, gone, right? That's what he did. That was his goal. He was, he was zealous about it. He, 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 was, he was intense, right? And so one day, he is going to a town called Damascus. He's got a paper with him that says, you can go there and do whatever you need to do to rat out the Christians there too. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up right on the road. Whew, like right there. Ask him, hey, why, why do you persecute me? Why are you doing this? What are, what are you doing? And uh, he goes blind for three days, and uh, Jesus sends uh, Ananias to go and, and pray over him and, and scales fall from his eyes and he's, he's different now, he's changed so they change his name instead of Saul, it's Paul I know it's just one letter but it's a big deal more than a name change, his spirit has changed he's a totally different person in his spirit and they just designate that with a name change but the important part is he is different in his spirit and now he's going around and he's preaching about Jesus and I'm sure I've said this before I'm sure it made for some awkward church services Paul, you think, I mean, who's the, I don't know, if, if you've been, if you have a, a bad relationship fallout and like your, your ex walks in through the back door, like maybe that would be like the worst person that could show up. But uh, imagine someone walks in that used to live, like kill the people that worship the same God that you do now. And he's coming saying that, oh, hey, by the way, I believe in him too. And he forgave me. Will you forgive me? That'd be tough, right? So uh, Paul's going around and he's ministering to anybody that'll listen. Why not? If he was as, as intense with his killing of Christians, he might as well be as intense with his delivery of the gospel. It's awesome how God can use that. And he's going around with a guy named Silas who is um, also preaching and helping to teach. And so it's the killer of Christians spreading the gospel with, with his friends. And one day they encounter a female slave. She's possessed uh, by a demon, which is, like, terrifying to think about. It scares me. I don't watch, like, possession scare movies. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to mess with it. I'm like, nope, I'll stay as far away from that as I can. I don't need that in my life. Uh, I'll find something else that scares me. Like, I'll let my student debt scare me to death. Like, that's fine. But uh, <laughs> that's way more real anyway. Like, that's, oh, my goodness, no. But possession is, by the way, that can happen. 
Like, like that's not a, that's a thing that can happen. It has happened. It happened right here. So there's this lady. Uh, she's a slave. She's owned by someone else, and she has this gift from, and I don't know if I should call it a gift, this ability from the, this demon possession where she can tell the future a little bit. That's sketchy. I'm just going to put that out there. It's a little sketchy. And her owners were using her to make some money, because why not? If you got somebody like that, people will pay good money for someone to lie to them about their future, much less if she actually had this ability, which she, the Bible said she did, right? So people are going to pay premium for that, premium. And she's following them around, and she keeps saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That's an odd thing for her to say, right? She wasn't like being completely and totally offensive. She wasn't trying to fight them or anything like that. But uh, it says that Paul must have had a little bit of a temper about him sometimes. It says that after after hearing like the same sentence over and over again for days, Paul gets a little frustrated. And he turns to this lady and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He's not talking to her. He's talking to the spirit. And the spirit leaves her immediately. Sidebar here. Uh, your words, your power, your abilities will never be enough on their own. You can't do it. If he would have said, in the name of Paul, leave her, uh, demon would have just laughed at him. What, name of Paul? Why would I respect Paul? But he doesn't. He claims the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, the demon has no choice. He has to leave her immediately. So when you're in the middle of it all and it's a struggle and you can't see the light, uh, just call out his name. There's no other choice for the demon. You can't do anything else here except leave, be gone. And, and it just says simply, and the spirit left her. Hmm. Paul had no right to control or command demons, but a Paul who is absolutely surrendered to Jesus all of a sudden has that ability. Not because of anything he's done, but because of the flow through him, right? And that can be that can be us. In fact, it's commanded to be us. Like the same call that Paul had on his life to spread the gospel is something that we have on our own lives. But we have plenty of time to get into that, so I won't jump the gun. But for the woman, imagine this. This must have been an amazing, amazing change of uh, change of course for her life. She's demon possessed. There's no way that that is good for anyone, <laughs> right? That, that that just can't be good. And so she's free now. The chains are broken there. The problem shows up, though, when the owners find out what happened. Well, their golden goose all of a sudden now can't can't do what what she used to do to make them money. And so they get really, really mad, mess with somebody's cash, and uh, you you can find out the extent of their anger. But uh, they had Paul and Silas arrested and accused of, and I quote, throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That is a lot of words. To Basically, they, they trumped up some charges here. By the way, uh, Paul's Roman too, but so is Silas. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, but they, they trumped up some of these charges here. Really, they're just mad at him because hurt, he hurt their pocketbook. And so, listen to this. Paul and Silas are stripped, beaten severely, the Bible says, and thrown into jail and shackled. Not just thrown into jail. I feel like it's like extra insult. They put you in jail behind bars. Where are you going to go? Like, why are the shackles necessary? But they put them in jail behind bars, and they shackled them. Well, that's just, that's just extra. 
And try to put yourself in that situation there. Like, I know it's hard to think about for some of us. Maybe some of you have been there. You've been behind the uh, jail cell. Like, you understand what it sounds like when that door closes and clangs and you're there. And maybe some of you have never been there. So just try to picture it for a moment. All that Paul and Silas did was right. Like, they they commanded a, a spirit to leave. There's nothing wrong with what they did there. Imagine how frustrating that must have been to end up in jail for doing the right thing. But we can't ever let the reaction of others prevent us from doing what's right in God's eyes. If, if, and I put this in bold here in big letters. If it's right by God, then it's right. And if it's wrong by God, then it's wrong. I don't mean to oversimplify the difficult choices of life, but you, everything you need to know is right in the Bible there. If it's right by God, it's right, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. If you find yourself having to explain to yourself or to God why what you're doing is actually right and not wrong, just save yourself the time. You're probably in the wrong, and just do what God says is right, all right? If, if it's right by God, it's right, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. It's, it's plain and it's simple. And we can't do less than what is right just because we think we, what doing, or doing what is right would offend somebody. Now, pause. This is not a license to go out there and be a jerk to people. Because I had a lot of people, well, I got to say it. It's the right, well, yeah, but you don't have to be a jerk about it, okay? We, we, there's a good way to deliver a loving, um, I don't want to say scold, that's the wrong word, but uh, uh, in a loving way to help somebody to, to know what's right and wrong in their life. In fact, the truth is, if you're, if you're truly motivated by love for someone, then you won't let them slide under, under, the, under the table with their sin. If I, if I go to lunch with you, I'll tell you if you have spinach in your teeth. or, or what, like, I'm going to tell you because we're friends, right? If I care about you enough and I know you're in sin, what a terrible friend I would be. What a terrible, terrible friend I would be if I just let you wallow in it. If I just let you live in the sin and just die in it. What, what, what am I doing anyways there? So don't ever let the cost of doing what God is calling you to do scare you away from doing it. And what do I mean by that? Well, the cost can be monetary. That's the first thing you probably think of. It can be relational, though, too. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. There's all kinds of different costs and ways things can cost us. But don't ever let the cost of doing what God is calling you to do scare you away from doing it. Instead, we can be absolutely surrendered to him. And trust that he has it under control. So I love this. I love this. Paul and Silas are in jail. Wrongly, to be honest with you. And they're throwing themselves a pity party, right? Just sitting there wallowing, crying. No, 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 no. They're not doing that at all. Listen, Acts 16, verse 25. It says, but around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? Like, you just ended up in jail. Remember, they got beaten. Their wounds are still open. Like, you don't heal that fast. It's later that day. They've been shackled in jail. Here they are singing and praising God and talking about Jesus. And, and, and the prisoners are listening. I mean, I, I've seen people show up, to, and not, not here, other places, <laughs> other churches. I've seen people show up with a little bit of a headache and be like, oh, I can't really sing today or be a part of the, I'm, I'm just going to, like, I'm sorry, that was mean. But uh, 
Don't let the little distractions become big things in your life. You know how many times I've seen somebody build a lifelong resentment towards someone because of something that the other person never even realized happened? It's so, it's so just elementary. <laughs> like, it's so immature. If someone treats you wrong, then frame it a different way. Maybe you can ask God, God, how are you using this person in my life right now to make me more like Christ? God, this person is annoying me. I cannot stand them. But please give me your eyes. Because when God looks at that person, he, he sees a child of God. He sees one of his that he sent his son to die on the cross for. He knows that they're struggling. He knows that they can be annoying at times. But still, that's his kid. Ask him, hey, can you help me see them like that? Or maybe flip the script, right? God, how can you be using me and that person's life to make them more like Christ? Because I love the verse. It doesn't just stop it like they were singing and praising. It goes further. It says that they were singing and praising and the prisoners were listening. A group of people that they would have never had the opportunity to minister to. And all of a sudden, I was talking with Pastor Chuck this morning about it. And he was saying, yeah, people in jail, they don't have a, you know, if you, if you preach for two hours, they don't really care because you can just, they, they, wanna, they want you to keep preaching because they got to go back to the cell after you're done, right? And like that. So they're like, no, Pastor, keep going. It's fine. we got time. It's a, it's a captive audience. Is that a, boom, boom, boom. Sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, they have this group there, and, and they're listening. A group of people they may have never had the opportunity to minister to, and now It's their primary audience, and they're sitting there thinking, we are not about to miss out on this opportunity. Not about to do that. Don't ever miss out on the opportunity to minister to others just because you might be having a rough day. I'm going to say that again. Please, please, don't ever miss out on an opportunity to minister to someone else just because you might be having a bad day. Someone's eternity is bigger than the bad day we might be having. And these guys had good excuses for not ministering. A lot of good excuses. Hey, my back is bleeding. (laughs) Like, I just got beat, man. Like, can you give me a day or two? But there they are in a circumstance that they found themselves in. And they decide to trust that God had put them there on purpose. You ever think about that when you're really in the storm, in the struggle? Maybe God put you there on purpose. Might be for you. Might not be for you. Might be for someone else. He might have put you there because he knows you can handle it. And you're there to minister to somebody else who, who maybe needs to get out of there quick because they're losing the fight. Maybe you're the lifeline. Jesus through you. Don't ever let your circumstances determine your devotion to your faith. Ever. Don't ever let your circumstances determine your devotion to your faith. If you change how much you believe in Jesus by how you're feeling that day, you're going to find yourself... Uh, feeling very wishy-washy and flip-floppy, all right? That's just how it's going to happen. Because some days I get up, I feel great. I could take on the world. I, I could bench, well, not that much because I got small arms, but, uh, but I could run really fast, all right? Yeah, I could run really fast. And uh, I, can't, I don't even think I could bench my body weight. I'll be honest with you. Look at these things. I got twigs, man. Like another. But um, I can run really fast, or I, got, I can take on the day. Other days I wake up, and I get out just like James was coming down off the platform this morning. And he steps, he steps down this way, just straight off the, the step. And he looks at me and he goes, man, I'm just not as spry as I used to be. <laughs> if you don't know James, he's uh, 14? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's 14 years old. And he steps off the platform, and he looks at me square in the face. I'm just not as spry as I used to be, man. I'm like, spry? What, that's, that's, that's an old man's word. What are you doing? <laughs> if I changed my opinion and my belief level in Jesus based on if I had bad pizza the night before or not, what kind of Christian would I be? If we're supposed to be the rock that people are built on, if, if Jesus is supposed to be our anchor, what does an anchor do? It holds you down whatever else is happening around you. We cling to him no matter what's happening. I love that word cling. It has this, it, it almost paints a picture for me in my head of someone just like as much as they can hold on. And sometimes it's almost like I'll pick up Violet or Lily after something bad happens to them and they're clinging to me, but I know if I let go, they would fall because they don't have enough strength to hold on, but they also know that I'm holding them, right? And so we can be clinging to him with all we have, but the truth is, even in our own strength, we don't have it. But when we cling to him, he just wraps us up in his arms. He pulls us right in. He says, hey, I love you. I'm here to, I'm here to build you up. I'm here to help you. But we can't let that devotion to him change due to our circumstance. And this is I love this sports analogy. Anytime I get a chance to talk about this game, I talk about it. So uh, I don't know if y'all watched the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but the Patriots were playing the Falcons. And uh, any Falcons fans in here? Nope. All right, I'm not. Okay, cool. We're good then. <clears throat> so um, teams in sports, especially football, they do this thing where they'll get up really big in the score. And, and they, the, the Falcons were up 28-3 to three in the third quarter, right? And if you don't like sports, this is more than a sports analogy, so just hang with me. But uh, they got up big. And what happens with sports teams sometimes, they get up big, and then they, for some reason they change their game plan. Now, they got there with the game plan. Like, they got to 28-3 to because of a great game plan. And then they switch it up, and they get conservative, and they get a little scared. They're thinking, wait, it's almost the end of the third quarter. This is Super Bowl, 28-3. to We can just coast this out. Like, we got this. We're fine. We'll just we'll get, we'll go into prevent defense. We'll just make try to make them not score. Like, it's fine. Like, we'll just... We'll relax a little bit. They change because of the circumstance they're in. And what happened? Well, I mean, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football, uh, leads the Patriots back. They end up winning in overtime, right? And so a game that was sealed, I think at one point it was like a 98% chance the Falcons would win. They end up losing it because they changed their devotion to their plan. They had a plan, and they left it. And, and, it, and it came back to really, really ruin their, uh, their chances. In the real world around us, football's not real world. I don't care what anybody says. It's just not, all right? It's a game, and, and we're just, it's just a game. That's all it is, a game that the Bengals are pretty good at this year, but whatever. And uh, <clears throat> so apparently Kentucky football is good too, which well, didn't see that one coming. But, uh, yeah, I'm like, what, what month is it? Like, what? Um, in the real world, though, it's about more than just can you get a ball across the line. We're talking about uh, r- relationships that can change, jobs that can change, uh, schools that can change, all kinds of things around us can change quicker than really any of us would like to admit. You can blink and your health can change. It, it, it just, it's just changed forever. It's one phone call from your doctor. That's it. And, it. and it's changed forever. Circumstances change. And if you decide to let the shifting winds of those changes uh, move your devotion level to Jesus, then you're going to find yourself coming up short of what he designed you to be. I don't want that for any of you. Don't ever let circumstances determine your devotion to your faith. So here are Paul and Silas, and they're singing, and they're praising God in person. Uh, in the prison, they're ministering to the prisoners around them, and then this happens. Check this out in verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, 
And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Whoa. That's it. That's like worst nightmare if you're the guy running the prison. But uh, if you're in the cell, you're like, you're, maybe you're, that's like the best thing that could have happened for you. Sometimes God does unbelievable things so that there can be no question at all about who did them. That's why God, I think this is why he likes to use people that like we wouldn't normally use. You're like, wait, God, you really want that person? It's like, well, yeah, because I'm going to show that it's my power through them that does this. It's not their talents. No talent that you have is something that God didn't already give you anyways. So to try to offer it back to him is something that he didn't have before is just ridiculous. But uh, sorry, that was extra right there. You got a little extra there. But um, don't ever be afraid to pray for something big in your life. Because the truth is, like, any prayer or request from God that you can dream up is still something that is, like, it's the, the best thing that we could dream up. God is so much bigger than us, right? And so don't be afraid to shoot high. Don't be afraid to pray to him about literally everything in your life. So the prison doors, they fly open. The chains fall off. Major earthquake is happening. And uh, normally, I would think in a normal prison, at that point, it would have been beeline for the door, Right? Like, we're going to take this opportunity to bail. Here's our chance to escape. Uh, Who cares if it's what God wants us to do or not? We're going to save our own skin. But Paul and Silas are different. They could have thought, well, we shouldn't be here anyways. This is wrong anyways. So we're going to bail. Sometimes in your life, just because you can do something does not mean that you should. Just because you get offered a higher paying job doesn't necessarily mean you should take it. Now, you're like, wow, way to tell me what to do with my money. I'm not saying that. Relax. I, some, I don't would ever want someone to trade a, a higher-paying job for their salvation. What are you going to do with all that money when you're dead? Yeah, you're, nothing. Your kids are going to go spend it, or the government's going to take half of it. Like, I'm just honest with you. Like, it's not, it's not going to help you at all. Right? It, I'm, I'm just a little rough today. I'm sorry. But it's not going to help you at all. Absolutely. God might be calling you in a different direction, and the enemy is using that as like a carrot in front of you to trick you. Hey, here's something that's good, but it's not what's best. Just be, but just because you can do what's good, because you can do something, doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Paul and Silas could have ran out of that jail cell. They could have ran, taken everybody with them. But we're going to find out that staying was the right call. And that they, God had them right where he wanted them, and they trusted that, and that's why they stayed. So all this ruckus is happening in the jailer who, uh, and it's not confirmed, but the jailer either lived like above the prison or close to it, all right? Close enough to hear what is going on at the prison. And he gets there and he runs over and he assumes the absolute worst, which of course you would. All the doors are open. And, And there was this Roman law back in the day where if a jailer lost a prisoner, whatever punishment that prisoner was supposed to pay off, the jailer had to. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's just some cash. He's got to pay the fine. Well, that included death. So if there was a prisoner in, that, in the prison that was, was uh, going to die for the crime that they committed, then if the jailer lost that person, the jailer had to. That sounds extreme, but that's just how it worked. And so he comes down, he sees all the doors open, he thinks, well, I'm dead. That's it. That's it. Pulls out his sword, goes to plunge it into his own gut, and uh, Paul speaks up. Uh, or this is what it says right here in verse 27. He says, when he saw the prison doors open, he threw, or he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He's going to take the short route. And he knows he's going to die anyway. So he pulls the sword out, and Paul yells out, 
He says, don't hurt yourself. We are all here. We are all here. Paul's like, relax, man. You didn't even check yet. At least check before you're going to put the sword in your gut. Like, come on, man. At least look. Like, give us a little bit of credit. Come on. In verse 29, the response of the, of the jailer is amazing. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he, then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a great question to be asked. Oh, man, what a great question to be asked. But what an odd question to ask at the time, isn't it? Not, why are you here? How did you get everyone else to stay? What happened? How did the doors get open? There's so many other questions he could have asked. Why did he ask, why did he ask, sirs, what must I do to be saved? A couple things. He may have heard how Paul and Silas got into the jail, that they had uh, banished a demon from a lady through the power of Jesus. He may have heard or overheard some of the praise and worship that was happening in the jail. He may have been just listening a little bit. Just a little bit had seeped through. And he thinks to himself, man, I want what those guys have. How do, how do I get that? He didn't hear yelling or fighting from the prison. He heard praise and worship. Hmm. Hmm. Question for you this morning. I'm not trying to throw guilt on anybody. It's a real question. Do the people that you come into contact with on a daily basis see you in the way the jailer saw Paul and Silas? What do I mean by that? He saw them as a way to salvation, a way to Jesus, right? Hey, they know Jesus, and I want to know that guy because he's changed their life. Do the people you come into contact with on a daily basis, would they look at you like that? I hope that they would. Will they look at your life and know that you follow a God who calls us to be more than ourselves in him, who offers forgiveness, grace, and mercy to all who seek it? Would they know that just by observing your life? And maybe even a step further, are you sharing your beliefs with people so that they would know? How can they know if they don't hear, right? If they don't know where you stand, how could they ever know who to go to in a time of need? And I know there's a lot of reasons to keep our faith to ourselves. I get it. There are job security things that if you go into your workplace and you start spreading the gospel, you could get in trouble. I get all that stuff. It's nerve-wracking. We're nervous. We don't know enough. All of those things. I understand that. I totally understand that. But keeping our faith to ourselves is just not an option, you guys. It's just not on the table. We must always be ready to share the gospel. Always, every time, every day, always ready. Pastor Scott has this saying he taught me a long time ago, preach, pray, or die. Preach, pray, or die. Be ready to preach, pray, or die at any moment. And I think he added the die. I hope he added the die as dramatic effect. Um, but <laughs> it, it's a good saying to remember. Preach, pray, or die. And you're saying, I'm not a preacher, preacher. I said, I know you're, relax, okay? I know you're not. That doesn't mean you can't share the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. So when you tell someone about Jesus, you're sharing the gospel, right? And all of us have that call in our life to do that. Paul and Silas had shown that they were ready to preach prayer or die at a moment's notice because 
the, the message they had to give to people about the death and the resurrection of Jesus was just too important to keep to themselves. We have a, we have a duty, an obligation, to spread that message to others. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Let's sit here for a second. Now, we're the church, right? If we're not doing it, then who is? When is the last time you told someone about Jesus? When's the last time you, you told someone that, I just asked them how they were doing and told them you'd, you'd, you'd pray for them? When's the last time you told someone, hey, I go to this church out in Erlanger, like, they're, they're pretty cool, like, we got this junior preacher in there right now, but, like, the main guy will be back sometime eventually, and, like, you know, you should just come check it out. Like, they got a kicking band, like, you, you'll like it. When's the last time you just, I, I know, I know in a group of this size, you, you have friends that you're probably pretty close with, and I hope you would have invited them at some point. I hope you would have checked on them spiritually, but I also know that sometimes that's uncomfortable to do. When's, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Sorry. The stakes are too high to let fear control our actions in regards to the spreading of, our, of the gospel. Stakes are eternal. Eternal. None of us can even comprehend what that really means, but that's what the stakes are. Stop coming to church each week just to maybe get on a spiritual high or or feel like you're a little bit feel a little bit better about yourself, but um, but never mentioning or living your life out like you love Jesus during the week. Can we stop doing that? And don't interpret that as stop coming to church. I want you to do the opposite of that. I want you to to be here. And join us in, in, in corporate worship to a God that loves us. But I also I want you to transform your life outside of this place into someone that, if people look at you, they're going to be like, oh, that's someone that follows Jesus. Hmm. Allow Jesus to make his dwelling place in your heart. And take him everywhere you go. And then give him to as many people as you possibly can. And so, like, the question here a lot is why, right? Why didn't they leave the prison? Uh, why, why were they able to focus so closely on Jesus during this crazy time? Um, it's because they were determined to share the gospel no matter what. It, okay, we got beat and we're in jail. We'll minister to these guys here. We're still on mission. What's the mission? The mission is to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? So it doesn't matter what happens to us along the way. We're still on mission if we're spreading the message. So if you're here and you meet someone new and you talk to them about it, you're on mission. If you're at home and you're talking to your children or your spouse or, or whoever lives in your home, you're still on mission. If you're talking about Jesus and moving them toward him. If you're at your workplace and you're ministering to people maybe through your actions, right? Maybe you treat someone a little bit better than everyone else treats them. Just because you know that they need Jesus just as much as everybody else, right? Wherever you find yourself, if you are spreading the gospel, you're still on mission. Which means that if we don't let our circumstances control how devoted we are to that cause, then terrible things can happen to us, and we can still be on mission. Do you hear me? Terrible things can happen to us, and we can still be on mission. It's all about how we frame it. 
And this is the ultimate why, right here. Verse 31. They, being Paul and Silas, said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. They're answering the jailer's question. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. He and all his household, multiple eternities changed forever because two guys decided not to run out of jail when they had the chance. Two guys decided that no matter the circumstance, they were going to be on mission. They were going to talk about Jesus to anyone who was going to be around them, whether they were going to listen or not, to be honest with you. They didn't care. They were, just, they were there to spread the news of Jesus because they knew how much everyone around them needed him. The answer to the question of why we should share the gospel is right there because it changes people's lives in their eternity, starting right now. It's not just an insurance plan. It's not a fire insurance plan so you don't have to go to hell. Life change can start here and now in Jesus. If Paul and Silas wallow in self-pity, then this jailer and his family might never have come to know Christ. It's that simple. We have to share the word. Not, not everyone will believe, but some will. Some people might beat us up. Some people might judge us. They might treat us different. They might uh, not want to be our friend anymore. But some will believe. And that trade... That trade for eternity is absolutely worth it. Any of the baggage that comes along with spreading the gospel, when someone finally gets a hold of it, it's always worth it. Trust me, it is always worth it. So I want to challenge you. uh, Live out a faith like Paul and Silas. Don't let your circumstances determine your devotion to your faith. Understand that just because you can do something doesn't always really mean that you should. And be ready to preach the gospel at all times. If we do this as a whole church, like all of us together, then we'll see lives, workplaces, schools, communities, all of those things change for Christ. Like that's the power that the church has, it's the power that you have through Christ. And it's the call that each of us has in our life. Sing through the storm and praise through the struggle because maybe, just maybe, God put you there on purpose to serve him. Just maybe, just a thought I had. But um, I want to take a couple, just a minute to, what time is it, Christina? I don't have my watch on me. Okay, cool. I have two minutes. I can talk to you guys. Praise team, you guys can come on up. while um, That's all I have there today. But um, I just want to talk to you just personally for a second from my heart. Um, We had no idea what, medical leave meant, or what that would look like when Pastor Scott started that. Um, It all happened really quick, it seemed. And uh, I would be lying to you if I told you that it wasn't slightly overwhelming, but we knew that uh, through through Jesus that he was going to bring us through this. And um, I just, I just want to say thank you um, for being so supportive over these last four months, there, there wasn't, nobody came up and said, like, this thing's going down, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, nobody, not one person did that. Uh, in fact, the opposite. People were coming up saying, well, I got your back, whatever you need. We got you. We're, we're in this together. And um, I am amazingly blessed to be able to, to do my passion every day. 
And um, this entire time, I've just been um, praying that, that God would just be a conduit for all that, all that we're doing. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, uh, we're just piecing it together as we go. Um, but um, thank you guys. Just thank you for being who you are, for being your, this church. I'm so thank you for that. Um, it's, been, uh, it's, it's been a privilege. And I really mean that. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not dying. I don't think so. Maybe. Who knows? But um, uh, I don't plan on going anywhere. I'm not saying that. But um, um, just as, as I'm excited about Pastor Scott coming back next week, I, I couldn't be more excited about that. We've been praying for that all summer and into the fall. And I, I'm excited and, and ready for that. But um, just thank you for, for making, for giving a, I was 30 when this all started. <laughs> We're giving a 30-year-old, just dumb kid, like, the ability to, um, and the freedom to minister. I, I'm get, I get to minister to people that I, are, like, pillars of the faith in my life. And it feels almost backwards sometimes, but um, God is so good, and he's been here for us. And so, um, thank you. Thank you for ministering to my family from the fourth grade to, to here. And um, you guys mean more to me and to my family than I could ever put into words. I don't like ending sermons like this. I love to end it on just a line and just be done because that's way easier that way. Um, but let's continue to be the church together. How does that sound? That sound good? Let's do that. Thank you for joining us for our sermon series with our sermon from this past Sunday. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out on gpcchurch.com. Find all the information there you would need to get involved or to get engaged with us. Just let us know if there's any way we can help you. We, we're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, have a blessed week.